Welcome. This podcast is an exploration into being human and what's possible when there's less attention on the noise in our heads. Warning. While listening to this broadcast, you may experience moments of deep peace, sighs of relief, personal insights, or long stretches of dead air. Do not be afraid. This is normal. Under the Noise with Wynne Morgan and Kate Roberts. Hello, and welcome to this week's Under the Noise with me, Wynne Morgan, and... I'm Kate Roberts. Hi, Kate. Hey. A few weeks ago, we had an episode where the title was Your Podcast Sends Me to Sleep. And this week, we get an email from a listener saying, talk more about sleep, please. I'm having difficulty falling asleep. And I've been having some challenges for a while with it. And I find it, you know, oh, well, that's the one person who doesn't fall asleep to our podcast. We need to do a better job at sending (laughs) people to sleep. But it's funny, I haven't told you this. Somebody else, a client of mine said, hey, you know the warning you have? So the warning you've just listened to, dear listener. You should also say, do not drive while listening to this podcast. They were driving. I kid you not. They were were driving and they said, I was so relaxed. I had to kind of be careful not to be too relaxed because I was finding it difficult to stay awake. It was kind of late in the evening and I'm listening to the podcast and I'm, oh no, I've got to get back on it. So they had to switch the podcast. I love that. Oh, I mean, not that it was dangerous, but I love that. The fact that they still had the conversation with me, clearly the story ended well. It was okay. Mm. So as well as you will experience moments of dead air, do not be alarmed. Do not operate heavy machinery nor drive an automated vehicle while listening to this podcast. Maybe something else to add at some point. Anyway, I find that amusing. In a good way, I'm not, as you said, not laughing at anything that could cause any trouble. So please be safe. Anyway, back to sleep. (laughs) Back to sleep. I don't want any lawsuits, but I want everyone to be safe. I've had a, a very interesting relationship with sleep my entire life. And I remember as a child, I don't know, maybe 10 or 11 years old, that if I didn't get enough sleep, at that age, it was probably at least eight hours, I'd have a headache and then be ill. The next day, I'd I'd vomit. I'd be Mm -hmm. throwing up. I remember a few times at school, I was that way, where I'd have a headache and throw up and then feel okay after throwing up. But sleep was so important to me then. And I also remember... An exam, so this would have been, I guess, the equivalent of high school for you. So I was taking the exam here. They used to be called O-levels, ordinary level exams, that uh, people do in school at the age of about 16, 17. Now they're called in the UK anyway, GCSEs, or they're called that in Wales and England. And in this, uh, my first O-level, I didn't sleep at all before my first exam. I was apprehensive and nervous and excited 
I don't know if I got an hour. I, I really remember not sleeping and then being at the school gate and being really excited with my friends saying, so they're starting now. These exams, these O-levels, and it was um, English language was first that day. And it went fine. But here's what I do remember. When I got the grade a few months later, I aced it. Mm. I was expected to get either a grade B or a grade C, and I got a grade A. And there was something interesting as a learning for me in my life that the lack of sleep didn't have anything to do with my performance that day in that exam, that three-hour first ever O-level exam that I sat and I did better than expected, better than my teachers thought I would do. And I don't know what to make of that other than the fact that sometimes we think we must have this amount of sleep or else. And while, of course, in the first part of the story that I shared when I was younger, there were times where I'd be unwell and physically sick due to a lack of sleep. There have been times as well where I'd noticed that even less sleep had no impact on how I did in a day. And then back in 2003, I was doing a lot of overseas work and I was traveling to Asia a lot. And it was the first real time that jet lag mattered to me. I'd had jet lag before, but it was on, on holiday, on vacation. So therefore, it, you know, it didn't matter that I would need an extra few hours in bed in the morning. But I was running training in China. I remember this vividly. And I wasn't sleeping great due to the eight-hour time difference. And I'd be clock-watching and noticing that it was 4 a.m. in China, and I knew I had to get up in two and a half hours' time and deliver a day's worth of training to a large group of people in the company that I was hired to do some work with there. And then noticing, okay, so it's 4 a.m. here in Shanghai, and it's 8 p.m. back home in the UK. No wonder I'm not asleep yet. It's 8 and and that happened, I don't know, for how many days, five or six days. And all I did, I remember it vividly, I read. I read books. I even remember what they were. They were Colin Dexter's Inspector Morse books, which probably doesn't mean much to anyone outside the UK. But they were then dramatized onto TV as well. And But I read the original books, and I just loved these detective books. And everything during the training during the daytime went fine. Because for some reason I knew that, okay, we start at nine. We've got 90 minutes before the next break till 10.30. We get 20 minutes break. Then we get another 90 minutes, then it's lunch. And given where I was, lunch was always an hour and a half, more like two hours, because they do it well on how many courses. And then there'll be another 90 minutes, then a break, and then another 90 minutes, and it's the end of the day. 
Now I know me well enough that a cup of coffee and the hit that that gives me for caffeine easily last 90 minutes. I was so relaxed over not having any sleep or having a very small amount of sleep at that time. And I'm not saying that's a good way to live, but it didn't have much of an impact on me. I do remember at the end of eight consecutive days of training, including one long internal flight from Shanghai down to the south of, of Guangzhou during that week, thinking, I'm really tired. I would like a day off, but I didn't have a day off. I was working the next four days again. And then I took the train from Guangzhou at the end of that next four days down to Hong Kong for my flight home. And I was still up at 1 a.m., in the lounge ready to fly home, thinking, okay, I can really relax now, I can sleep. And I didn't. But at some point, a few hours into the flight, I fell asleep and I slept really well. Mm. And here's why I think I share that story. I've noticed To me, anyway, in my own experience, I'm not saying this is empirically true, but I've noticed that for me and quite a few other people I've talked to, the story I tell myself about how much sleep I've had or not had has had a bigger bearing than the actual amount of sleep. Now, I've got a lot more to share, but I want to, just pause there for a bit, Kate, and just, <laughs> I'd love to exchange what, what you see about sleep. Mm. You know, for the most part, I think I'm almost the opposite of your experience around sleep. So like if I go to lay down and I'm still not asleep in about 30 seconds, that's abnormal. It's usually a very, I mean, that's not every time, but for the most part, that's how it's been in my life. And what I've noticed about the occasions when that doesn't happen or I wake up and can't fall back asleep or something, you know, that is not the norm for me. What I notice is that my mind is such a storyteller mm. and It also loves to, once I've had a thought, so say I have a thought like, I should be sleeping right now, or why can't I sleep, or some thought like that, right? It goes and grabs all these stories and fills it all up and makes it complete. So all the facts from the past and, um, 
basically fears about the future. Like tomorrow I'm going to be tired and I never, you know, I usually don't have a problem with sleep. What's happening? And it kind of snowballs into this beautiful story of why I'm not sleeping or what's going to happen if I don't sleep or how long have I been sleeping? And when, if I wake up at this time, how long, how much sleep will that be? Like, it just needs to just create this huge story around it. And very rarely do I find myself awake without the storyteller. You know, like you said, where you read a book and you, you even remember the books that you read that created something so special for you that you remember it to this day. And so I, I found in the past that if I'm not sleeping, it means there's something wrong. That's, that's, the, that's the story, is something's wrong. Something's wrong with me, or what did I eat? Like, I don't even know what, what, what comes up to fill in and create this wonderful story. And that's just what we do. Yeah. But how often are we laying in bed, or wherever we sleep, at night, and... Or awake without a story. Now that would be interesting. Awake without a story. Mm. You look at it logically. Why am I not asleep? Because I'm awake. Full stop, period. There's nothing beyond that other than, as you said, a story that we make up. Why is this light on? Because I didn't switch it off yet. Nothing else. Yeah. There's nothing else happening other than we create a story. Now, I do want to make it really clear. I'm not saying that sleep isn't important. It really is. It's really helpful and very healthy for us to get sleep. But the stories that we have about it often is the thing that keeps us from being asleep. <laughs> so here's another example of that, right? I downloaded a sleep quality app a few years mm -hmm. ago. I think it was three years ago. They were kind of, became quite an in thing. So you're meant to have, I think on the mattress, have the cell phone with the app running all night. And then it would tell you how much deep sleep you got where you weren't moving around and uh, how much shallow sleep you were getting to then give you an indicator of the quality of sleep. Well, in the week that I had, you know, had the app downloaded and was trying it, uh, my sleep was dreadful. It was far worse. Because I had sleep on my mind and how good my sleep was and how bad it was. But whatever it was, I had sleep on my mind. I had a story about sleep. I deleted the app and I started sleeping a lot better really quickly. And I went, isn't that interesting? Mm. 
asleep or awake without the story, Kate. I really like that. Well, and it's just another... Just another example of finding ourselves in the unknown and a willingness to be there. Because if we're awake without a story, we have no idea when we're going to drift back off again. Yeah. And we don't know the quality of what that'll be like. We don't know what will feel like the next day without a story. And so I wonder if it's just an opportunity to to notice, to be in the unknown without a story. I don't think there's anything, you know, our minds are just storytellers. That's what it does. I don't think there's getting this thing wrong. It's just a really cool, you know, exploration into, we just don't know. And a willingness to, to be okay there. Yeah. Without it. So even if we make up a story that sleep really matters, Mm. maybe we're wrong about that too. Maybe even having that story doesn't matter. Maybe having, hey, I should really be asleep by now. What's wrong with me? Did I have cheese? My parents told me when I was a kid not to have cheese. (laughs) Nightmares. Maybe I'm awake because I'm scared of nightmares. Maybe there's some subconscious, right? And we'll just start spinning. But at some point, because our mind will wander to something else and it'll it'll wander back to sleep. It always does. Yeah. At some point. Maybe it would be nice, I I agree with you though, to, to never have a story about sleep when we're awake at 2 a.m. Oh, just as I said that, there's something else that came to mind as well. I remember that my darkest thoughts seemed to grab me more in the middle of the night. And I brought this up once with a a dear mentor of mine. And they said something like, well, does that surprise you? And I said, (laughs) slightly leading question here, I thought, because clearly there's something in this that makes it obvious. I said, well, well, yeah, it is obvious. The lights are out. There's no other sound. There's no distractions. It's like if you want to, why do they turn the lights off at the cinema and the movie theater? So you get the full experience of the movie alone. And if there's only silence and darkness and our own thinking and our eyes open in the middle of the night, then, well, what we imagine then is going to look an awful lot more real. It's a special effects departments working overtime 
at that time, it kind of makes sense. Mm. What we think looks more real. And I remember then noticing that my four o'clock thoughts just looked more real, but it didn't make them so. I wonder why that is, because the same thing happens to me as well. Why do they look more real? Have you ever turned the lights down to watch a TV show that you really want to get into or a movie? Yeah. Yeah, why? Um, because the rest of the world goes away and you kind of get absorbed, right? That's probably why. Yeah. So we're absorbed in the story of the TV show and the movie and... I don't know, but it seems to me that it makes sense that that's what happens when we are awake at 4 a.m. and there's no other distractions. There's just the absorption into our own imagination at 4 a.m. because there's nothing else going on. Hmm. It seems to me anyway that that makes sense. I remember watching a movie. I had a, a movie. I bought the movie, a wonderful astray. I like horror, okay? going to say it. I love horror movies. Australian movie called Wolf Creek that was around, I don't know, maybe in 2004 or something. And I had the copy of the DVD. Yeah, it was that long ago. DVDs, not streaming. Or smart TVs. And I waited because it was the summertime. I waited until it got dark to watch it because I knew it would only be like a six out of 10 for thrill factor if it was light outside. So I purposely did not turn on the lights and I waited for it to get dark to put the movie on. Consequently, it felt an awful lot more real. Special effects was way higher than a six. So I loved it. Total immersive experience. And I remember, again, you're seeing that as my four o'clock thought while I am having the same special effects as when I watched that movie when it was dark and the lights were out. Oh, there I go again. It's going to look more real at four o'clock. Ah, doesn't make it so. That, I remember having that realization quite a while ago. And that was so helpful to me that my whirring mind, where my imagination went to regarding either regrets of the past or worries about the future, even if it was tomorrow, and my life and my plight and whatever else I might have made up at 4 a.m. that morning, just looked more real. And I'm pretty sure you and I have both said it on other episodes, is the more real the scariness looks, the less real it actually is. And that's a time that I've noticed when I am, um, when I saw the truth of that, I became far more suspicious of my 4am thought when the lights were out. You know, it was actually a conversation that I had with you um, was really the first time that 
I got to really meet my assumptions, my beliefs about sleep. Hmm. Um, I remember telling my brother about this as well, is that you and I were having a conversation. You were telling me um, a little bit about your schedule that week and people from different time zones that were being coached. And, um, and I remember thinking and saying to you, oh my gosh, you must be exhausted. And you're like, mm, no. And I'm like, well, you know, after not getting a lot of sleep, do you need a lot of sleep or whatever? You're like, I don't know. I won't know until I'm there the next day if I'm going to be tired or not. And there was something that really struck me because, yeah, that's where I met my belief about sleep, about what kind of sleep we need and how we show up the next day. And it made me think about, I was taking a really long trip by myself in the car. And I'm like, wow, what if I don't go into the trip assuming that it's going to feel long, like a long trip? What if I didn't do that? And I got to show up because of the conversation that I had with you. Like how many other things do I have beliefs around that I don't even realize? that I just kind of assume. And I remember on that trip, I didn't look at the clock really. And I didn't kind of gauge um, arrival time. I just got to be in that space and see how it felt. I got to be in the unknown without a story about what it's going to feel like. And there's... Could it have still felt long? Sure. I had no idea how it was going to feel. Yeah. And that's what's so... Um, I don't know, that's just really present for me right now is, is being willing to be in the unknown, whether it's around sleep or... or really any other topic of our lives, anything that shows up is, you know, am I willing to be here now in the unknown without a story about who I am or what this is supposed to be like? And, and one question, I know you and I talked about this, but a question that's been coming up for me in the last few days is, can I just be right here and love it? Mm. And I love that, whatever it is. And when I don't have a story around it, that moment, whatever's happening and I get present, you know, I've discovered that very often it feels like a yes. Like, yeah, okay, I can love this. Sometimes I don't know. 
that's okay too, but, but it's a nice question to sit in, in the present moment. It really is. Because I would, I would imagine that our biology is good enough to know how much sleep it needs. Mm. And it will self-correct. And if on a long drive, then it says, hey, pull over. Mm. You, need, you need either a nap or some air or, or a coffee or all three. Or stop here. There's a motel. Without story, I think it's, again, going back to the, you know, the title of this podcast, Under the Noise, Under the Story. Mm. There is the, the wisdom of all things, including sleep, including rest. As opposed to the prescription of, if I do not get eight hours, tomorrow will suck. I could talk for hours about sleep. Mm. And yet, there's no need. whatever techniques we've played with in the past, if we have trouble falling to sleep, if we're not one of the lucky people that takes 30 seconds from head to pillow to eyes closed, <laughs> Kate Roberts. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've played with so many different techniques and some of them work some of the time and some of them don't. And then eventually I sleep. closer to 30 minutes and sometimes possibly closer to two hours than 30 seconds, but still sleep. And it is great to remember that we make up meaning when there isn't any. And because it's four o'clock and the lights are out, it'll look more real <laughs> a lot of the time doesn't make it so. Thanks, man. Thank you, Kate. You've been listening to Under the Noise. I'm Kate Roberts, and I'm here with Gwen Morgan. Hello and goodbye. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. If you have any questions, or topics that you would love for us to chat about, please reach out by email. Our details are at the end of the podcast or below if you're watching on YouTube. We loved having you here with us. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have a topic or question that you'd like us to chat about, email Wynn or Kate at win at winning.co.uk and Kate at katerobertscoaching.com. Until then, enjoy what's possible under the noise.